Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Today we arrive at the conclusion of our God Words series. We're going to talk about the church. And now our service this morning, in case you didn't know it, is pretty jam-packed. This is going to be more of a, a sermonette about the church than a, a full-fledged message. Uh, I am going to touch on five just important elements about the church. It's not exhaustive, just snippets. It's going to be rather fast-paced, so I hope you can keep up. Uh, I hope you're ready for that this morning. So I invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at uh, verse 13 to 18 as we talk about the church this morning. Matthew 16, verse 13 and following, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. We're going to look at five elements, five important elements about the church. We're going to launch just right right away, right into it. When Jesus told Peter that he was going to build his church, was was Jesus talking about a physical building, a structure? No. No, he wasn't. He was talking about people. And so the first element that we're looking at and highlighting is that church isn't a building. Church is people. I will build my church. Church isn't a building. Church is people. The word church that you see in the New Testament, it means called out ones, ones, people, an assembly. It can also be meaning to a gathering, a gathering. Interesting. And so that's what the word means. And if, but if we were to define the church, the Christian church, what would we say? We could say A good definition is, the church is the community of all true believers in Jesus Christ for all time. What that means is that the church is made up of everybody who has ever believed in Jesus, everybody who currently believes in Jesus, and everybody who ever will believe in Jesus. People, right? Not not a building. Ephesians 5.25 talks about how the Lord loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus didn't come to die for a building, He came and he died for people. He came and he died for you and me. So I think we're kind of on the same page. We kind of understand this one already. Church isn't a building. Church is people. Now, of course, though, churches meet in buildings. We're, We're meeting in a building right now, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's good, and that's great. But take the building away, and the church continues as is the case in some parts of the world where they don't have the luxury of having buildings devoted to church services and other meetings. The church continues, and in some places even thrives amidst not having buildings. 
All right, so we understand the church's people, but then we might ask, okay, but, but who um, governs these people? Who uh, decides what's supposed to happen when the church meets? Who's in charge of these gatherings? Well, again, back to verse 18. Near the end, he says, I will build my church. My church. So quite simply, uh, Jesus decides what happens. It's my church, Jesus says. Jesus is Lord of the church. That's our second element. Jesus is Lord at the ch- of the church. We're going to look at um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. Speaking about Jesus, okay? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He may be first. So, not only is Jesus Lord of the church, He's the Lord of the whole universe. He's the King of everything. So, of course, He's the boss of the church. He's the one that governs things. He owns the church. He created the church. He's building the church. He leads the church. And sometimes He corrects the church when needed. And He is in the process of purifying the church and refining her. Because one day, one day, He is going to come for His church. Like a groom, really excited to meet the bride that he loves. He's going to come for her. You know what's going to happen? What a day it's going to be. Uh, The trumpet is going to sound from heaven. It's going to sound like this. No. I can't do a good trumpet. It's going to sound better than that. But there's going to be a trumpet sound. And he is going to come down. And the church is going to be with Jesus forevermore. No matter what happens, no matter what faces us. Again, back to Matthew 16, 18. I tell you, you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan's not going to win. Jesus is Lord of the universe. He's greater than Satan. So we can have courage. We can stand firm because no matter what attacks come at us, no matter what kinds of persecution may come our way. However they show up, we can stand firm because God is faithful and His Word is true and He has said the gates of hell won't prevail. Jesus wins. The church endures. The church will endure. Now the church may have to adapt, may have to shift a little bit and may look differently than it has in the past, but the church will endure. And not only will the church endure, the church will continue to grow. Jesus said, I will build. Or you can even say, I will keep building. Empowered by the Spirit of God, the church is going to continue to multiply, continue to expand, and make disciples all over the earth until Jesus comes back. Now, I don't know about you, but to me it's really encouraging to know that the fate of the church isn't in our feeble hands, but in the almighty hands of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Doesn't depend, the destiny of the church doesn't depend on, on my abilities. Jesus said He will build the church. He's Lord of the church and He will build it. 
next important element, I told you we're going to go kind of fast, is that the church is both global and local. The church is both global and local. What I mean is there is one true global church on the planet. Everybody who is truly a believer in Jesus Christ anywhere on the planet is part of the church. The global church, okay? Which is really encouraging because we think about it. We're here this morning and you think of how many other people are gathered somewhere worshiping Jesus this morning, opening the Bible this morning, talking about Jesus all over the planet. One global church. And how cool is it going to be to one day meet them all? All different tribes and tongues and nations and to gather in the perfect presence of God and have the biggest worship service ever. You think this morning was pretty good, and it was, so far, like, you know, not knocking it at all. It's been great, but that's going to be incredible with everybody who's ever been a believer. The global church gathered together. And so there's one global church, but there's also this global church that meets in different local expressions, countless different expressions. As we heard Pastor Garth even pray for a number of different churches. And I just wanted to draw your attention to just a couple verses that help picture this for us. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 2, it says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, in a specific region. And what's the church again? To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Okay, people called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And then if you go to the end of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, verse 19, just another example. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Multiple churches from a region. But then Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings as well in the Lord. So again, just a picture. Multiple different local expressions of the church. All part of the global church. Really, really exciting. And and these local gatherings, these local churches, obviously can have different styles. They can have different sizes. Some churches are very large. And some are very small. Aquila and Prisca, just a church meeting in their house. A few believers gathered together, devoted to worshiping the Lord, devoted to serving each other, devoted to learning how to follow Jesus. The church, global and local. So not only is it global and local, another element about the church is that the church is visible and invisible. Visible and invisible. What what do I mean by that? Well, by visible, I mean the church as you and I see it. Okay, we have a visible representation of people here in this building right now. We see people who attend services and participate in the life of the church, small groups, church events, things like that. But just because somebody attends a church service doesn't mean they're automatically a Christian who's part of the church. Right? Attending a church service doesn't automatically make you a Christian. The same way going to McDonald's doesn't automatically make you a Big Mac. Okay? You can attend as many church services as you want, but until each and every person puts their trust in Jesus Christ, they're not part of the church yet. So everyone is invited and encouraged, believe in Jesus and join the church. And so it's tricky for us with the visible church because we don't know the hearts of people. I can't be up here declaring with any kind of certainty, well, they're in the church, they're not in the church. It's, It's all guesswork. But you see, while we don't know, 
God does know. 2 Timothy 2.19, the Lord knows those that are his. The Lord knows. The Lord knows who's actually believed, who's actually part of the church. And so the invisible church is the church as God sees it. So we have, you know, maybe around 220-ish people here today. God up in heaven, he looks down at this church and every other church gathering in any place all over the world, and he says, I know the, the true number of how many people are genuinely believers in my son. And we don't, but he does. That's the invisible church. Um, just one note, though, about attending church services. While they don't make you a Christian, uh, attending church services doesn't make you a Christian necessarily, Christians should attend church services. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, seems increasingly more so these days, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's really hard to stir one another up to love and good works if you don't see each other. It's really hard to encourage one another if you're not meeting together. We are called to meet, and we're called to meet regularly. Now, I understand there are circumstances. Sometimes you can't meet because of work and other things that happen. I, I get that. I understand that. But the, the pattern of the Christians should be to regularly participate in the life of the church. That's what we're called to. Now, a few weeks ago, Pastor Garth preached on adoption, this teaching that we become legitimate sons and daughters of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. We join God's family. And that brings us to another element about the church this morning, and that is church is family. Church is family. Over and over again in the New Testament, the church is referred to as as the brothers or or brothers and sisters, uh, family language. When the Apostle Paul was giving instructions to young Timothy about how to pastor a church, about how to lead a church, how to interact with people in the church, this is what he says about how to interact with everybody. 1 Timothy 5, 1-2. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. He says, hey Tim, treat them as family. Why? Because they are family. Because through faith in Christ, we are one family now. Church is meant to be close-knit. A people joined together. Common bond. Common faith in Christ. One people from all sorts of backgrounds and, and histories and ethnicities and all this kind of things. One people. All family. Maybe you, you, maybe you knew that. Maybe you didn't know that when, when you became a Christian. But you have probably the biggest family ever. And it's growing and we may, we're not going to meet every part of our family members until that day when Jesus comes, but what a family reunion that's going to be. Anybody not like family reunions? Get a little nervous about some of those? This one, you're going to be like, I don't know who you are, but I love you, man. You know, like, we haven't even met, but this is great. That's what it's going to be like. Church was never meant to be 
people who just simply attend a service here and there, um, people that happen to see each other an hour a week. Church is meant to be a family that's devoted to Jesus and to each other. Church is family. And family loves each other. Right? Okay, good. <laughs> and, and because of that love, family sacrifices for each other. Modeled after Jesus. 1 John 3.16, right? He shows us His love. Like, He laid down His life for us. That's how we know what love is. And so we also ought to lay down our lives for who? The brothers, a.k.a. the church, a.k.a. your family now. We are called to sacrifice and love for our family. So each other. And now, just like family, and I know this, and you probably know this too, um, family can be messy at times, and church can be messy at times. But, just like family, church is called to confess, to forgive, to reconcile, to love each other, and move through the mess, and continue to stick together in the mess. That's what we're called to do as the church. And, and maybe you've been part of this series for any number of weeks, or you've seen the poster, or seen the slide of all these different words, and you're like, how do, how do all these God words link together? I mean, salvation, regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption, sanctification. What's the, the link? Is this just a random assortment of theological terms? The answer is no, it's not random at all. Church is how they link together. Church is filled with people who have experienced all of these God words. And because they've experienced these God words, they commit to stick together because they've been changed by Jesus. And part of sticking together, just like family, involves a commitment to do just that. This is what um, church membership or partnership is all about. And this is why we place such a high value on it. It's, It's more than just joining some kind of club it's committing to be devoted to a family. That's why, that's why membership in a local church matters. Because in membership, we, each other, we can know who has made that kind of commitment to be part of the church, to be part of the gathering Windsor. And we can see, okay, th- this person has said they're all in. They're committed to this. They're, they're committed to worshiping Jesus. They're committed to serving Jesus. They're committed to serving each other. They're committed to growing like Christ and helping other people grow like Christ and and multiplying the kingdom efforts all over the planet. And that's why we're so excited to welcome our first uh, wave of partners later this morning. And I'm going to let Pastor Garth do that. I'm not going to talk too much more about that. But these partners are people who are stating, again, all these God words, they're stating They've accepted God's gift of salvation. That they've been regenerated. They've been born again by the Spirit of God. That they've repented of their sin. That they've turned to Christ in faith. That they've been converted. And that God in His grace has justified them. That He's declared them righteous in His sight. And more than that, He's adopted them as His own children. Welcoming them into the family of God. And He is sanctifying them. That they're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That they're growing in holiness. And they're committing to church. They're committing to family. Recognizing the entire time, ultimately, 
that Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge of the church. This is, this is church. This is what they're committing to. This is, this is why we gather. We, we are church. This is it. This has just been a snapshot. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church. We are evidence of that promise. 2,000 years ago, he said that to 12 guys. 12. And look at how the church has grown all over the world. May the Lord continue to build His church in Windsor, Essex, has been prayed for already, but also all over the world to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank You for Your words that You have spoken. Declare the promise that You will build Your church. The gates of hell will not prevail. You are continuing to build. And we thank You that we are evidence of that here this morning. You have built your church. You are building your church. You will build your church. Thank you for your grace that that calls us out of darkness, out of sin, into light, into love, into new life, to forgiveness. And we can join your church, be a part of your people. I pray, most of all, even, even today, that we would have a greater understanding of even just one of these elements of what your church is. Perhaps like it is for me, maybe for others that are really hit home today, that church is family. Thank you for this service. I thank you for uh, church partnership and membership and what we're able to do moving forward and welcoming these partners this morning. And God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen.